Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hello, Christian. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our trusty, dusty research, research extraordinaire, button-pushing guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. I don't do much button pushing anymore. Well, <laughs> no, but I do hope you're taking notes. I am. <laughs> okay, great. And you used to be in Star Wars. Uh, now you're in a boring basement. We're, yeah. we're doing this on Zoom. And uh, <laughs> this is a ago, virtual background. We are yeah. still social distancing. <laughs> okay. Still social distancing, doing Zoom. Jason had an interesting background, but he got rid of it. There, there it is. Ah, there we go. Oh, it, he's back on the, the Millennium Falcon. Millennium uh, Falcon. Very good. Today and then is, today, go is ahead. April 22nd, just so we know. We're trying to do now these week by week. So if you're listening to this today, you're pretty much caught up. It is the day after my 19th wedding anniversary. So high five for me. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> but today's a special episode, not because of my wedding anniversary, is because we have a special guest, the editor of The Girl Who Wore Freedom, Bill Evil. Welcome Woo! to the show, Bill. Hey, guys. We decided and, that since we were Zooming, we could Zoom our virtual team just like we do all the time. So <laughs> we're so happy to have you here, Bill. Good to be here. Bill, you're uh, down in uh, Tennessee somewhere, is that right? Yeah, Columbia, Tennessee. It's about halfway between Nashville and the Alabama state line. All right, all right. But you used to live in Wheaton, where uh, Christian and I live. How long ago did you move? I forget. Uh, about three and a half years. Uh, but before that, my whole life, I lived in Wheaton. Okay. So, you know, we live in Illinois. Sometimes people have strong opinions about Illinois, so they run to Florida or Arizona or apparently Tennessee. How has Tennessee <laughs> been for you? Uh, much warmer, which is very nice in the winter or spring. Uh, but uh, come summertime, I'm going to wish I was back in Wheaton. Okay. <laughs> it's about 95 and humid. Oh, oh nice. Oh, yeah. All right. So. Very good. Well, um, you are the editor of The Girl Who Wore Freedom, and um, Christian did not find you by some volunteer uh, who listened to the Holy Post, who volunteered and said, I'll be your editor, right? She right. roped you in. What, what is your history with Christian? How, how did you get involved in this project? Well, me and Christian have known each other for a long time. I, is it 25 years now? It's pretty darn close. It's, it's a long time. <laughs> uh, we've been in small groups together. We've, uh, we're neighbors at one point down the street from each other. Um, so and we've worked together. Yeah, we, uh, when I was uh, working with uh, Phil Vischer on the What's in the Bible project, we would rope Christian in many times to produce, to do voiceover, to do, you know, everything that she can do uh, to help us out. And um, yeah, so we'd always talked about working together at some point on some bigger thing. And we had, you know, planned on some other things that never kind of came together. And uh so yeah, she called me out of the blue. I was down in Georgia working on Overcomer and she said she had this idea for a documentary that she wanted to bring me into. And um, yeah, that was kind of the beginning. And have you always in your career been an editor or how did, how did you get involved in this? 
Yeah, pretty much my my almost my whole career I've been editing. Uh, I did do a brief stint as directing uh, uh, commercials, just long enough to find out I really don't like directing. Um, <laughs> I like being the uh, number two guy and being the um, behind the scenes guy. So, um, and I love being able to put stories together. Um, you know, as an editor, as opposed to, um, you know, writing or directing. So I just kind of found the thing that I really love to do and just have stuck with it. Uh, you mentioned uh, Overcomer. Uh, that was a recent film that came out. Um, Kendrick Brothers, correct? Yeah. So you, you've been on a few of their projects, is that right? Yeah, I started, uh, the first film I worked on with them was Fireproof uh, back in, boy, I'm terrible with timelines. I'm not sure how many years ago that was, but I worked on Fireproof and Courageous. Um, we had just adopted my son when War Room was getting ready to film, so I couldn't work on that one. Um, and then they graciously brought me back for Overcomer. So, Just for point of reference, you were working on Fireproof when we were neighbors. Yeah. And we haven't been uh, neighbors since 2010. Yeah, I think Fireproof it was like came out 2000, in 2008. 2008. Yeah, so, yeah, that's so, another way just look it up you know? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be a mystery to solve right <laughs> thanks thanks button pushing guy <laughs> see i told you he pushes pushing buttons. those buttons that's yeah. that's true <laughs> yeah. that's so funny i cannot believe so that was 2008 so 12 years ago is when you did fireproof so when you're working on those films bill are you on set is it after the project's done i mean how are you involved in this uh, for, for, uh, those three movies I was working on set while we were shooting. So I would, you know, as they were filming, I was bringing in the footage and editing and putting together a rough cut of the film, uh, for fireproof. Uh, I stayed a little longer to help, uh, Alex Kendrick, who's the director, writer, producer, editor, um, everything, uh, on those films. <laughs> and, uh, uh, worked for a little while, but then had to, get home. My family was, uh, needing me back. So I couldn't, you know, stay till the end because it takes months and mo months to edit a feature. And, uh, you know, we were editing down in Georgia, so I had to, to come back, but, um, but I did a little bit of that on courageous, but had to come home. Cause at that time I was working full time with Phil. Um, so it actually just fit into a nice window where we weren't, producing anything and Phil gave me a leave of absence to go take off and do courageous. Uh, but uh, I couldn't stay afterwards and edit after. Um, and then overcomer, I did both. I edited during the shooting and then um, with me, Steve Hallfish and Alex Kendrick uh, worked on the film afterwards. So for those who may not be as familiar with the editing process, I yeah. mean, a lot of times I hear having a minuscule involvement in the film world, you know, I hear editors have to defend themselves um, in terms of their, what they bring to the table, because it, there's a, a feeling that if you don't know how films are put together, that, you know, someone writes it, someone uh, directs the screenplay exactly as written, which is not true, yeah. but yeah. Uh, and then the editor, all they do is put it together the way the director wants it. And you're, you're just cutting film or you're just piecing shots together. So it's more of a manual task, less than a storytelling task. But that's not true. So can you describe, right. you know, 
how, how an editor is involved or really what you bring to the table as an editor? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's an old, uh, you know, saying that the film is written three times, once by the writer, once by the director, and once by the editor. And if it's done well, I think that's true, because uh, the editor uh, usually is not on set, which is, you know, sometimes very helpful to not be involved in the shoot, because you don't know that it took all day to get that one set up and that one shot done. And, and to put it bluntly, you don't care because your job is to serve the story and to put together the best story from the pieces that were shot. Um, so when we work on a film, we go through all the footage, we look at all the, uh, on a dramatic film, you look at all the takes and you piece together your best uh, scene for the director. Um, obviously there's collaboration after that point, you know, where you work with the director or the director says, Hey, there was this one take I really loved. Can we look at that? And, and sometimes the director's right. And sometimes the director looks at it and realizes, Oh, I remember that being better, you know, cause. Or, or sometimes the director says, didn't this happen? Go find the shot where this happened. <laughs> and the editor says, that never happened. And I said, I know it did. I was there. And he says, were you looking at the monitor? Because it clearly did not happen on the screen. Well, let me clarify. I've never said that to any other director. Because <laughs> uh, usually the director is looking at the monitor. Uh, and so they know what's been shot. But <laughs> Oh, the shame, the shame. <laughs> usually what he's saying is every other director knows what they're doing. <laughs> well, every, every other director I've worked with has done multiple projects before the one I start, I joined. So they I'm sure learned all their mistakes on their first few. Uh, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a learning process. But this is why, just let me say, I knew I needed Bill because as you can hear, he has a lot more experience with people that know what they're doing. And he has been in this business longer than I had and has a depth of understanding of storytelling and of uh, the process that I didn't have. Plus we had a great working relationship, known each other for a long time and creatively our styles and visions and communication stuff. They did, it was similar and all of the other stuff had been worked out as we try to work on other projects. So I knew that we had this line of communication and we were aligned on how to tell a story and I knew I needed Bill, which is why he's really the main person that we our budget has gone towards over this time to get this film done. Because, I mean, you know, he deserves every penny. He has a family of five and he's has the experience, which is what I think makes this film so special. Thanks to Bill. He isn't just somebody that cuts film. So, Bill, you've um, you mentioned in your past you've done a lot of uh, you know, fictional dramas. Have you worked on documentaries before? No, this was my first documentary. And uh, in that instance, me and Christian learned kind of together uh, because it is very different than cutting a narrative feature film where there's a script and there's, you know, here's a scene with wide shots and two shots and over the shoulders and close-ups and whatever to build the scene. We didn't know what any of the scenes were and we didn't know what the story was. And 
uh, Christian could tell you all the stories, you know, of this person or that person, but we had to put it into one, you know, long narrative story. And that was the, you know, where the rubber meets the road for both of us. So, um, Let's talk about just maybe the process because you're in Tennessee. Christian has been back and forth, you know, sitting with you, being up in, you know, in Chicago away from you. Yeah. Uh, maybe give us in a nutshell, what's the process like um, working on a documentary, but also part-time virtual uh, documentary. Yeah. So I can't speak to the normal process of what a documentary looks like. Um, but We've had to make our own process. Yeah, ours has been kind of a long and winding road. Um, so initially, Christian had uh, brought in a writer to put together a script. And uh, she put together a script that, um, because again, Christian had knew all the stories. She had watched, you know, all the interviews or been a part of all the interviews. I didn't know any of that. And I had 20 plus terabytes of footage that... Um, you know, was delivered and, you know, there, you know, I can't physically watch it all in the amount of time we had to try to get something out the door for Normandy. Uh, that Which, year. by the way, let's say how many weeks we had once we delivered that to you. Yeah. Well, when did it, when did that start? Cause again, so, well, so we, we, Julie wrote the script in November. I read it in the first of December while we were shooting our pickup shots December 2018, we didn't have any of the French interviews transcribed till the end of January. That's right. Of 2019. <laughs> yeah. Bill, this do you speak French? Fr yeah, this film's in French, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you're fluent, right? <laughs> Not a word. Well, now I am. Now I know a bunch of words, but. And so we, we gave you the footage the 1st of February, and it wasn't even all the footage. Right. And then I know I looked at the first assembly edit in like February 19th, which is when I was sitting in my bathroom crying, realizing <laughs> that, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And yeah. we were already slated to screen at Utah Beach with the rough cut on May 27. Yeah. Yeah, so we had we had a script that wasn't working and and not so much that the script didn't work, but I knew it was like Christian when she would call me and talk to me about the project, she would tell me story after story that would literally bring me to tears. Um they're just so emotional and so moving and then we put the script together and it was kind of a historical telling of what happened. Um which, which just wasn't, I knew what Christian wanted to tell. And so when I sent her that cut, I knew it was going to be a, we got to start over. Um, so what ended up happening is Christian's said, no. I'm getting on a plane. No, what ended oh. up happening was my husband <laughs> saying, what's the matter? And I said, this is <laughs> terrible. And he said, well, what are you going to do? Do you need to go and see Bill? And I said, if I don't, there's no hope. How long do you think you're going to be gone? Oh, maybe a week. <laughs> <laughs> so I packed a week's worth of clothes and I called Bill and said. Yeah, so she was coming down and we were going to work together here in my office for a week. And 
six weeks later, uh, we were still working <laughs> on the film. Um, but, you know, we got something together for Normandy. So that was kind of the, the For goal. the first week, however, that we were supposed to be working on the film, Christian spent most of that time crying. <laughs> and Bill finally looked at me at one point. This is why he's so great. Because we really had no idea what we were going to do. Like, I think that first week, we were just having to decide, like, what do we do? Yeah. And finally, the, the watershed moment for me is when Bill turned to me and he said, Christian, you're just going to have to write it. And I said, I'm not a writer. I can't write. He goes, yes, you can. I have read the stuff you've written. You can write this. Nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of part producer, Bill. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, but, oh, so yeah. sorry. Uh, we need a break for a phone call. We'll be right <laughs> They're sponsoring us, whoever this is. That's right. <laughs> Go ahead, Bill. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things where I knew Christian had all the stories inside of her. She was obviously struggling with how do we how do we put them all together in a coherent way to make a feature film? Um, but I knew I could help her if we could just pull them out. And so she would literally write, you know, she'd go back to her uh, Airbnb and write a few pages. And I set up a little temporary VO booth in the corner of my office and she would lay down some voiceover and I would start putting together some, you know, picture over it and we've just like little bit by i mean we literally started at the beginning of the film and we just start, kept going so we're well, put, putting things in the timeline and just building it out and i remember we said to one another in the beginning if we just get 30 minutes <laughs> just 30 minutes it'll be a win and that'll be good and we'll go to normandy with that and then i remember you saying to me if we just get a really good open and we get her really nice clothes. <laughs> we'll be forgiven for the stuff in the middle. <laughs> and so that was like the bar we were shooting for. And, you know, it was this agonizing, I've talked about it before, this dark night of the soul thing where I would leave his office from where we were lying it out every day, you know, and I will write a little bit and we would come in the next day and I would voice it and we would tweak it and he would lay it down and he's like, okay, what's next? And I would have nothing. Yeah. And at one point he said to me, look, I didn't think you were going to be here this long. I already had this thing planned. It's this, you know, film festival. I've got to do this. I already paid for it. And it's a whole week. <laughs> so for, he was going to leave during this whole week. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like you cannot <laughs> leave now. But he doesn't give me a choice. I can't yell at him because, you know, so I was like, okay. But you know what? In retrospect, that was the best thing because that's when I got the big chunk of the film done. I just went away and wrote. So then when he came back, there was more stuff for him to do. Yeah. So, so Bill, um, I mean, you're, we keep hearing the film is finished and I don't know how many more times it's going to be finished, but um, <laughs> you and me both. Okay. <laughs> um, so of the mindset, you're basically quote done with the film. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's more you're going to do, but yeah. the, 
the bones of it are, are done and um, doing, I know Christian's going to finish this project, win awards, and then immediately jump on another project and rope you back in. What yeah. uh, are you going to do differently on the next project? <laughs> oh, man. oh gosh, don't we don't have time for that. I was going to say, an hour long podcast. <laughs> uh, on how not to do a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, depending on what the subject matter is and how we're going to approach it, you know, certainly if we're filming in a foreign language again, um, everything has to be transcribed immediately because um, that was a big stumbling block for us trying to even get started is we had to figure out translation and transcription and then subtitling so I could actually edit stories together. Um, and even that, I mean, Christian's probably talked about this on a, on a podcast, but that whole process was uh, um, evolved because we would get rough translations and I would try to look for stories just in the text to see what was there. And a lot of times we wouldn't find anything. And then one of our producers, Michelle Coupe went in and tweaked the, the rough uh, subtitles and transcriptions so that it was more what they were trying to say. And all of a sudden we had all of these moving stories and, and pieces because you know, it's like talking to somebody in person or then reading, you know, somebody uh, who's trying to translate for them, you know, on the fly it just isn't the same. You lose all the emotion, you lose all the, um, you know, all the pieces that mean something. And so that was a whole thing there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to have a good uh, postmortem after this and, you know, <laughs> Come up with a game plan for next time. If you'll still work with me. Yeah. <laughs> now this has been an amazing project to work on. Um, I'd never done a documentary before. I loved it. Um, it is so much more finding the story than you know dramatic features. Pretty much the story is there. You just have to pull out the best pieces and try to tell it in the best way. But um, working on a documentary has been amazing in that you really are digging for what's the story? How are we going to tell this? You know, um, how do we honor the people that are in the film to tell their story the best way? And, um, you know, especially for this subject matter, that was very rewarding. That's great. Well, um, before we wrap up, um, Christian threw out this question, you know, hey, ask Bill what it's like to work with Christian. I don't know if you want to answer that or not, um, but I'll, I'll give you a, a, a couple seconds if you want to answer that before we wrap up. Wait, I don't yeah. want to wrap up yet. I have other stuff to say. Well, ahead, Bill. Um, people, I, people can turn us off and turn us back on. Oh, well, yeah. We don't have well, Bill all the time. Yeah. Um, all right. No, I, I think Christian kind of uh, touched on it earlier, but I think. Uh, we work really well together. Um, part of it is we uh, have known each other for a long time. Um, we've, you know, obviously been through uh, life together in small group in church and, you know, uh, different things and been through hard things, you know, that we've, you know, walked together with uh, in, in small group. Um, but I think at the bottom of it, we trust each other. We care about each other. And in those hard conversations, I mean, because we would have arguments about things during the 
during the, you know, putting the film together. I remember one time you were so mad at me. Yeah. And Bill's so funny when he gets mad, he gets quiet. <laughs> and he yeah. just, you can just feel the heat coming off of his body, but he's so <laughs> respectful. <laughs> but he's kind of like got that mad thing where you're like, you do, that's almost worse than somebody yelling at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I remember I mean, that. There was times where, you know, it was just encouraging Christian to be able to, to keep going. Cause there was just, you know, we, we were under the gun with time and we, you know, both, neither one of us really knew what we were doing. We were just trying to do our best to, to get it together. And so there was times where I just had to tell her, you know, you can do this, this, you know, when she would tell you the stories, they're amazing. I'm like, we just got to get that down, you know, into the film. And so, um, I think we collaborate really well together and probably drive each other crazy sometimes too, but that's normal. I have never worked with anyone in a way that's as rewarding, honestly, Bill, as working with you. And I do think it is a combination of um, there. You have to have a close relationship, I think, between the director and the editor. It has to be a symbiotic relationship where there is trust and respect um, and honesty you know, and um, sometimes brutal honesty. And, you know, I knew that I could trust Bill. And a lot of it goes back to the man he is. You know, he is a man of faith who cares very much about doing his work well and doing business honorably and respecting others and the work um, and trying to balance work and family. And so he really does try to have this balance there. And, um, and he genuinely cares about not only making a good project, but he understood my, me, he understood me and knew that like I could create in a safe environment. And he gave that to me and that little office right there, it was a safe space um, where he would push me really hard to um, get the stories out, but help me and not be frustrated and angry with me because I didn't know how to write or tell a story or put it together or any of those things. Bill just knew I could and he wouldn't stop pushing me until it came out. And I, because I trusted him, um, you know, and because he didn't get angry and was patient, I think that was key. So in this instance, you know, he really truly deserves, um, you know, more, um, more than just editor, in my opinion. And in the next film we do together, there will be others, I'm hoping. Uh, we will probably need to rethink, uh, you know, his role. So he's not just an editor that I'm paying, but I think he comes on and, and has the titles that he already is, you know, walking in. So, yeah, it's been great. Christian, do you have any other questions you'd like to ask? Well, I, w- uh, I would like to say we are in a very unique place this week in the documentary that I need to update people on. Um, we, this came out of the blue, and it happened about a week ago. Uh, actually, right the day after our last podcast, I had to ask Helen Patton, granddaughter of General George Patton, to sign a release. And in doing that, uh, I, somehow we ended up, she called me uh, and we began talking and 
found out we have a lot in common, that she and I both went to the same college and we knew a lot of the same people. And uh, just there was a, a real uh, interesting connection right away. And she then watched the film and the next day woke up and said, you, that is an, a, a great, amazing film, but I have something to tell you that you're probably not going to like. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this going to be? <laughs> and she said, I think that you ought to forego your film festival run. And I think this needs to be the world's D-Day celebration. And I was like, what? What does that, what does she mean? <laughs> That's what I wondered. But all of a sudden in my gut, I started to cry because I knew she might be right. And what she meant was all of the celebrations in Normandy have been canceled. Oh, I see. And so there's nothing. And people are so sad about this. And the veterans had to cancel all their flights. They're not going over there now. And she started thinking that, you know, this could be the way we celebrate D-Day this year if we can figure this out. And I was like, all of a sudden it became a we and we were figuring something really big out. And so over the course of time, I began mulling this over in my head. And first I needed to decide, could we finish this in time? And that's my first call to Bill. So, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you telling Bill right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finding out live. <laughs> no, he was my first call, trust me. Um, so you know, we talked about, could we actually do this? And the answer is yes, we were initially shooting for the end of May anyway, because we were trying to make the Sheffield documentary film festival. So on our timeline, we can probably make it work. But, um, but, but the question is, you know, what do we need to make it work and what would that look like and how would that happen? So the more I thought about it, even Hunter said to me the other day, he said, mom, you know, if this does happen, you would become part of D-Day history. And I was like, wow, that would be really true. And maybe I should really think about trying to figure out how we could do this. So just like with the film, I don't know that that will happen. I don't know that it's the end thing, but I know I owe it to the story. I owe it to the veterans. I owe it to people who've worked on the film to walk down this path and find out if it is the right one for us. And so we did start pursuing the idea. Um, we do have a possible um, people to help us with the finances that we need. I did end up getting the small business loan. Um, so that was landed in my account yesterday, which bought me another few days of Bill's time. And so it, it looks so we're moving in that direction. The doors haven't closed yet. And uh, the question is going to be over the next two, three, four, five days, um, we have to determine if there's viability to this idea. So, and I'm maybe I'm going to assume there's some listeners who are having trouble connecting the dots as I am. What would that look like? So I'm assuming on D-Day, when it's time to celebrate, this is like becomes a streaming movie anyone can watch or they uh, so we're trying some service or... We're trying to work that out. So this is the Wild West, just like everything is right now. But right, right now, the people that I'm talking to are seeing exactly what I'm seeing, which is there is no D-Day. 
There's also a lack of new content uh, out there. So networks and cable channels are, are looking for new content to buy, but you're talking about specific events. So the end of uh, you know, World War II in Europe, so VE Day, the 75th anniversary of that is May 8th. And four weeks later, it's D-Day. And that was 75 years since Danny stood on Utah Beach in a flag dress made out of parachutes. So it's a big 75th anniversary this year of those two events. And there's really no original content, you know, like ours for sure, out there. And so it's a perfect time for us to make this pitch. For example, the three main networks came together last week to do the big music fundraising for the COVID, right? And were networks to come together and decide to partner with their affiliates in France and you show this film on D-Day in the USA and in France, that would be a huge deal. So the question is, you know, how do we present this idea? Because some, it, this is a unique opportunity to do something big on D-Day for a captive audience. And we have the perfect material for it. So the whole reason for going the film festival route is so that you are in this pipeline People discover your film, particularly sales agents and distributors. They then begin talking to you about acquiring, you know, your property or, or, you know, the rights to your property. And then they go and try to sell it with networks or streaming services or whatever. And it's also to win awards or accolades or things like that so that I earn a reputation as a filmmaker. Bill earns one as an editor, et cetera. And that's important. But at the end of the day, you want your film to be sold, right? So if we have the ability now to make a sale to several different places, um, that's a win, you know, particularly if it's one of the main contents on D-Day for people to watch. So you can't get much more of an ideal way to release your film than that. So it would be a combination, ideally, in a perfect world, where we would be on, you know, a cable broadcast streaming and maybe even something, you know, something online as well. So I don't know. We're talking to people and trying to figure out what the options are and um, trying to figure out if we have, there's a, you know, financial appetite to, to support all of that. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll know more next week. Well, that's why we have this exciting podcast to keep people updated. So I'm looking forward to the next one myself. <laughs> well, and you can, Bill, Bill's going to have a lot to update on because right now he's got a lot on his lap. Why don't you tell them what you're doing to make this possible, Bill? Well, I mean, basically we are converting the film from 1080 to 4K, uh, which is uh, actually hasn't been too terrible, um, except for the fact that we realized we were missing some files. <laughs> so, oh, we had all the proxies, but not all of the raw footage um, like we thought. So we're in the process of getting that and uh, basically getting all the final pieces so we can go to color correction and credits are being uh, created right now. Um, so we're just kind of pushing forward like we're finishing the film for, you know, for June um, and just hope that everything else comes together. And if not, we'll have the film finished by June. Yeah. 
Very exciting. Well, cool. So, Christian, anything else? I think that's it, unless you have any other questions. Jason, you got anything? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So I would just say we really do need people to continue to pray if you're a praying type of person. Um, We still can use donations. Uh, And, you know, I just want to say we have added, thank goodness, several other volunteers on the social media um, team. And, you know, I've been super excited about that. So, uh, so yeah, things are going along awesome this week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to oh, you, had, you had to qualify it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Bill, thanks for uh, being with us. Really appreciate it. And uh, um, really, uh, I mean, it was great. We, we should have had Bill on a long time ago. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it really opened the door like, man, you know, just to really have a greater, more in-depth understanding of what's going on and different per- perspective. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I hope well, we'll hey, have everyone, you back. And, we'll have you and, back for sure. And we are going to do this with other people. Jeff Kurtenacker, the composer, Jason Hovon, the sound guy. So uh, we're going to get everybody's perspective about working on this film. <laughs> 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 All right. Sorry. Go ahead. You can close this out, Josh. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Store. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.